0: Worship in the Word of God. Turn with me to Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 5, and also we'll look at verse 10. Luke 9, 1 through 5 and 10. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive up all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent, out, sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, Take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, you stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing the people everywhere. Verse 10, when the apostles returned... They reported to Jesus what they had done. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, interesting weather we are experiencing. I know in the summertime we are expecting hot weathers, but uh, cool weather we are experiencing. I'm, I'm not complaining. I really do like this kind of weather. Uh, but we can clearly know that we are in Chicago area. The weather is so inconsistent. However, the summertime is a great opportunity for us to reach out and do gospel witnessing, especially we are slowly but surely recovering from the COVID situation as a nation. And I believe that many are parched for human connection and relationship, and I think that is a great opportunity for the church to really reach out and do what God has called us to do. That's why Paul said in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16, make the most of every opportunity because these are evil. And as we are living in a very chaotic world today, I think it is time for us to share the gospel because we know that Jesus is the only answer to our problems. Amen? In today's text, Jesus is sending out his disciples to do gospel witnessing. And notice that the Jesus is not sending them, sending one particular individual, but all of his disciples. Here we can learn two things about evangelism. First, I think the gospel witnessing is not just for certain people, but all the believers of Jesus Christ. And even if you are a baby Christian, meaning you just turned, became a Christian, or you've been Christian for a long time. We know that the gospel witnessing is something that God has given to all the believers. That's why the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28 is not just for a particular group of people, but it's for all the believers of Jesus Christ. And in a way, therefore, God is sending all of us out to this world to do gospel witnessing. Another thing about gospel witnessing is that it is not mere individual ministry, but it's also corporate ministry. Meaning, God is not just sending individually, yes, he is, but at the same time, God is sending the church, the group of people out there to expand God's kingdom through preaching of the gospel. So gospel witnessing, gospel is not just for individual ministry, but it's a church ministry. And as we study today's passage, we will learn as a church something about gospel ministry And how to do effective evangelism, not just individually, but also corporately as a church. Are we ready? But I think first thing you need to notice is that we can clearly see there is a gather and scatter dynamics going on here. Notice Jesus gathered his disciples first and then sent them out to the world. In order for us to do effective gospel witnessing, I believe... We are to follow these dynamics, gather and scatter in this church. We gather to worship, we gather to receive, and also we are to scatter to minister, preach, and proclaim the, gospel, the, the kingdom of God. So in order for us to do effective gospel witnessing, especially this summer as we are trying to reach out uh, to people around us, First, we need to we gather to receive his power. Everyone say his power? His power. We gather to receive his power. Look at verse one through three, one through two, I mean. It says Jesus when Jesus called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Here, before Jesus sent out the disciples, he gathered and gave them power and authority to preach and heal the sick. Clearly, he empowered them before sending them out. My brothers and sisters, there is always empowerment for our calling to evangelize. If he has called us to do something for him, for his kingdom, he has called us to Do the gospel witnessing, particularly. He will provide the power to do the task. We are not alone. It's not something that God says, oh, do this, and He just watches us from the distance, see if we can do this or not. No, He is ever present with us. And as Holy Spirit dwells within us, He empowers us as we obey His calling. So we don't have to be afraid, nor we don't have to be nervous. When God has given us the task, especially the task of evangelism, we are to receive God's power and empowerment as we do whatever that we are called to do. Then question still remains, is he able to give us or give them the power? And what kind of power does Jesus have, especially in this text? If you look at chapter 8, the previous chapter, Jesus demonstrated what kind of power he had. In chapter 8, verses 22-25, it's actually about calming the storm. Now, we all know the story, right? As Jesus and the disciples were trying to uh, go ac- went across the Sea of Galilee, they faced storm in the middle of the sea. And what happened when all the disciples were afraid, and they were about to die. They were screaming. They were even waking Jesus up and telling him what, to save them. What happened? He got up. He simply got up. He rebuked the wind, and the storms, storms subsided, meaning Jesus has the power over nature. Also, if you re- read on, in verses 26 and 29 of chapter 8, Jesus casted out the demons from the person with the evil spirit, possession of the evil spirit. Without any problem again, he has the power and authority over demons. Next, in verses 40 through 53, Jesus actually raised a dead girl and healed a sick woman. We all know the story maybe. If you don't, please go home and read the Bible and you will find out. Fascinating story. Jesus was on the way to Jairus' um, Jairus's daughter who was dying. And a woman who was conditioned with hypermenorrhea, uh, a uh, ancestral bleeding problem, she approached behind him while saying in, his, in her heart, if only I touch his cloak, I will be healed. And by faith, when she, she touched Jesus, he was, she was immediately healed. We all know the story. Clearly, we can clearly see Jesus has power over not only demons, but also disease. So chapter 8 is really about the power of Jesus. He demonstrated that he has power over nature, demons, diseases, even death. The Jairus daughter at the, she, who was dead was raised back. Uh, raised up by Jesus. And then in chapter nine, what is happening here? After he, he after Jesus demonstrating all of his power over nature, demons, diseases, even death, he empowered disciples by giving them his power and authority as he sent them out. Therefore, We must gather to receive His power. We can do whatever God is calling us to do, especially gospel witnessing, if He empowers us. And if He called us to do this, I believe He will empower us. Amen. That's why we must sit at the feet of Jesus. As a matter of fact, as we gather, that's exactly what we are doing. We're not just coming to a place, a building, but we are coming to encounter to the throne of Jesus. And spiritually speaking, we are before God as we worship. We have this amazing relationship. And we are receiving His power as we cry out, as we seek His presence. And the Bible says Jesus promises us He will be here with us with a special anointing and presence, as we gather, two or more people gather in His name. If you believe that, we gather to worship. We gather to receive His power through worship. Now, how do we receive His power, you might ask? As we gather, well, we receive His power by faith. Just like the woman who thought... If I just touch his cloak, I'll be healed. Do we come to this place believing that we will actually experience him today? Just like the woman, do we come to church expecting that we will be healed, empowered, and encouraged? Just like this woman, do we come to the church expecting that we will learn the love of God? I think the problem of a culture of Christianity is that we think we can just come to church every Sunday just to feel good about ourselves. We feel like this is some, this obligation that we must come to church and do our, you know, pay our, our respect. We feel like it's obligated for us to just come and give offering to the church. And I believe that's a culture of Christians, Christianity. We grew up in the church, and it became a habit. It became a ritual instead of seeking relationship with God. My brothers and sisters, we are not just here because of the obligation. We are here because of, we have an obligation of love. We are not here by the obligation of the performances, but we are here by the obligation of love. Because we love God, we are here to experience Him. Because we love Him, we come and we obey and we worship Him. And by faith, as we gather, the Bible says, Surely He will give us, He will provide us the authority and power. Isn't that what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 28 when He was giving the Great Commission to His people? He said, All the authorities that I have in heaven and earth, I shall give it to you. And with that, you go and make disciples of all nations by preaching the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Son and 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 the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey. We are here to receive His power by faith. Now, you might ask, how do we increase our faith then? Well, we increase our faith by seeking God, His presence. How do we seek God? Well, we seek God in His Word as we pray. It's a tool for us to seek God. We gather in the church to seek His power through worship. My brothers and sisters, we think worship is just a ceremonial activity or ritual, but no, it is not. It is a spiritual activity. As we come before the Lord, before God's presence, and we worship Him, and through worship, we receive His very presence. We are encountering His presence, and we receive His power, His love, His grace. Being with Him, we receive His power. We gather in the church to seek His power through the Word. How do we know that God is speaking to us? Well, so many of us, we just want the audible voice or some kind of crazy, amazing spiritual encounter. Well, we need to clearly know, my brothers and sisters, God has already given us His revelation through the Scripture. We seek His Scripture, we read His Scripture, we seek His Word, then we will know His Word, His mind, His thought. No wonder Paul says, Have the mind of Christ. How is it possible? When we seek God's word. And through God's word, the Holy Spirit within us speaks to us ever so powerfully and clearly to live a life that is holy and pleasing to God. We seek his power through his word. We gather in the church to seek his power even through prayer. As we pray, as we communicate with God, we listen to God, we cry out to God, we speak to God, and through that relationship, guess what? We will learn more about Him. Just like Jesus was spending time with the disciples, and disciples are seeing all these things that Jesus is doing, and through that, they are being witnesses of Jesus and what He has done, and through that, they are learning, and they are tapping into the power of Jesus. And as they are with Christ, what Jesus does, what does Jesus do? He gives them the power and authority. As we seek God gathering in the church, seeking God through His word and prayer, through worship, God provides His love, not only love, but His power to do what we are called to do. That is why it is so important for us to gather in the church to worship. I know a lot of people because of the COVID we think we, we don't we we don't have to really meet anymore. Maybe we can just use technology to do so. Well, I'm all about technology. We can utilize them to do gospel work, but there is a clearly Hebrews chapter ten twenty five says we should not give up, we do not give up meeting together, as some of some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We are together to worship God. We all agree that worship through online is a very limited way. The worship is that we gather our presence and we present ourselves before His presence together as one body of Christ. So this concept of gathering is a very big part of Christian faith. That's why Bible continues to talk about we, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, we need to gather to worship as corporately as one body of Jesus Christ. That's the importance of in-person worship. And I do strongly urge you to join us in worship. Of course, some cases we won't be able to be here for whatever reasons, then we can obviously tap into uh, the technology to do so. But I believe the true Proper worship is to, as we gather to worship God. And as we do so, we receive His power through worship. Amen. So first, we gather uh, to receive His power. Second, we gather also to be trained by Jesus. Trained by Him. As the disciples gather around Jesus, spending time with Him, they were being trained by Jesus. Even after evangelism was done, what happened? They gathered back to Jesus, right? Verse 10, when the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. They're clearly communicating with Jesus, and Jesus is clearly teaching them, training them, how to do effective gospel witnessing. There are two ways to be trained, I believe, through observation and application. If you look at chapter 8, it's all about observation of his power over nature, demons, death, and diseases. The disciples observed him closely as he took care of all these problems. As Jesus demonstrated his power, he is also teaching them how to minister through his power. In church, my brothers and sisters, we gathered to be trained by Jesus through observing Him. How? Through Scripture. Learn how to talk, pray, speak, and trust, to love, to take care of one another. How? As we gather, we seek His Word. And the Word teaches us. We must observe Jesus through the Bible as well as people who are little more ahead of us, spiritually speaking, because we can see Jesus through them. That's the concept of family, isn't it? As the little children is learning from the parents, we learn from one another, especially from the mature Christians, how to pray, how to love, how to deal with situation, how to do the conflict resolution. See, church is like the place, like a family that we learn that. But unfortunately, we are living in this convenient Christianity that everything is not convenient and people just hop and shop the churches around. That's why we are not just here, my brothers and sisters, by accident, by human decision. We are here by God's appointment and calling. That is why I urge you, my brothers and sisters, when we gather, we are gathering. We are here today as a church, as a Petra, because all of us, I believe, are called to be here If we don't have a sense of calling, I think we will have a problem understanding what church family is all about. Very important, isn't it? So we gather as a family, as a people of God, and we learn by observing Jesus, studying him through his word. That's why we do Bible studies that's why we do fellowship that's why we pray together we learn to how to pray we learn to how to talk to one another we learn to how to bless we learn to how to give offering to the lord all that is in a way training to be the mature effective christians who can make differences in this world through gospel witnessing as we gather we also need to be trained through application of what we have learned in the church the application is that we must go out and apply these things. A lot of times we come to church and we learn a lot, especially we have, in, in America we have a great resources as a Christian community. We have a great theologians, great teachers, great preachers, and nowadays especially using the social media or, or the technology that man you can just tap into all kinds of different teachings. And by the way, we are living in an age where we must discern because all kinds of crazy things are out there, right? All kinds of weird preachings are out there. Even herit- her- heretical teachings are out there. We need to be very careful. But we have to say, we have to admit that we have, we have so much blessings in terms of resources. You know, I've been traveling, traveling around the world, different places, especially in the third world countries for missions man, they do not really have the resources as much as we have here in this place. But as we have all these resources, I believe that a lot of times, we as Christians, we are growing in our head, but not really growing in our hearts. What's the problem? Application. If we do not obey what we have learned in our daily lives, Which is what Christian life is all about. We just gonna be our heads gonna be bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. We may know things, we may information, but we will never understand what the power of God revealed through in and through our lives. If we never apply these things into our lives. So I want to challenge you, my brothers and sisters, if we really want to learn about the ways of Christ. We need to obey Him. Very simple, isn't it? It's not hard, but we must. it's a matter of doing it. Do we believe and do we act upon what we believe? The application is that we must do what we are called to do. Yes, we will make mistakes. Yes, we will face various hardships as we try to do gospel witnessing. But it's a learning process, isn't it? more we do it we will learn now disciples what do they do they go out and they obey meaning they're learning they're being trained right but what do they do they come back and they return and they report it to jesus and then chapter 10 if you read on he appointed them more people even and send them out again you see they were being trained more and more and sent out again and again that's exactly what gospel ministry in the church, in this church, is about. See, church is a gathering of God's people to worship, right? Also, church is a place of training for God's people for the kingdom ministry. We gather to worship God and through that we receive his power. We gather to get trained by Christ through his word and prayer and also through the fellowship of the saints. And what do we do after that? We are being what? We're going to talk about the next point. But that's the point. We gather to worship. We gather to be trained by God so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do. We must be trained by Jesus through observation and application As we gather in this place, if you believe that, say Amen. Amen. And turn to the person next to you and say, "Let us gather." gather. (laughs) Last third, but the third point, last but not least, he says, "We gather. First of all, what we said, we gather to receive power. We gather to be trained by Jesus. Third, we actually this time scatter to preach the kingdom." Verse 2, he says, he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. You know, as we scatter, we must have gospel intentionality. He clearly says, he sent them out to preach the kingdom. Why did Jesus send them out? What was the point? What was the purpose? So that they can change the world? No. They can change the society? No. What did, they, what, what did he do? Preach the kingdom. That was the first priority, wasn't it? We are to preach His kingdom. My brothers and sisters, churches exist to worship and also to preach the kingdom. That's our priority. If you you forget the priority, we will have problems. We are to preach His kingdom, His rule over one heart at a time. That's exactly our church motto is, right? Right? Expanding the kingdom of God through the preaching of the gospel one heart at a time. One family at a time. One city at a time. One nation at a time. That was the reason for being sent out by Christ. Proclamation of the kingdom in word and deed. Not just talking, but of course the living. Our primary calling is that therefore, as a church, let's be clear. Proclamation of the kingdom of God to win over souls, not bringing some kind of social change. That is not our primary calling. One heart at a time, we are to win over souls as we preach the gospel in word and deed. That's exactly what Jesus was all about. You know, if a lot of people, especially uh, amongst the followers of Jesus, there are people called zealots. These people were activists, political activists, wanting to have some kind of freedom from the Roman power. And they thought the Messiah was the political Messiah, will come and he will do the social, activi- social activism. They thought that politically he would just, just revolutionize everything. The system is bad. Right? They're being dominated by the Roman kingdom, Roman empire, and you know the problem, and I totally understand, but Jesus was not all about that, wasn't he? He said, I'm not here for that. I'm here to preach the kingdom of God. I'm here to save the souls of men. Even Pontius Python was asked, was asking Jesus, who are you? What kind of king are you? My kingdom is not here. We have to clearly know, my brothers and sisters, our primary calling is the proclamation of the kingdom of God through preaching of the gospel in word and deed. Not just talking, but living out the gospel one heart at a time. Amen? That is our primary thing. And then, as we do so, yeah, if God is calling you to do something in the different places, that's, that's, that's something we need to do. Now, there are three attitudes we must have as we reach out. Look at verse 3. He says, He told them, Take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, you stay there until you leave the town. If you do, people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet and there's a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and the healing the people everywhere. Well, there are three things that we can learn from this. First, dependence as we do gospel witnessing. Luke chapter 3 verse 3, 9, 9 3, verse 3 says what? Take nothing for the journey. Nothing. What does it mean? I think the list, listed items are not as important as the main point here. Let us not just look at, oh, so no money, nothing, we take nothing. What does it mean when you do gospel witnessing? Take the point that he's making. The Lord is basically saying, Jesus is enough for all all of us, and He will provide whatever that you need. Meaning, ultimately, we depend on Him, not the things that we have. Depend on Him. He will meet your needs. That's the point. It's not the point, oh, we must take literally and not take nothing. No, meaning, ultimately, we need to depend on God for His provision. Especially when we do gospel witnessing, Imagine, Do you, a lot of times I think the problem comes when we think that we can change people. I'll tell you, my brothers and sisters, I've, we cannot even change ourselves. How can we change others? I cannot even control my dog. How can I change someone else? But we have this somehow, I don't know what it is, we have some kind of, Superman mentality that, oh, I'm going to do something. I'm going to change something. Well, think again. It's not you changing people. It's God changing people through you, through your message, through your life, through your example, through your supernatural smile, through your godly conversation, through blessing, financial blessing to someone. God is the one who's using you through you changing people's heart. And do not underestimate your life, my brothers and sisters. God can use any one of us to touch and convert and to change and transform people's lives. Do not underestimate your kind words. Do not underestimate your invitation to the ministry. Do not underestimate your supernatural smile. People can be touched by it if God is using you. Amen. But we need to learn to depend on God. That's what it means. Take nothing, depend on him, depend on my provision. I will provide the things that you need. No wonder Jesus said, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added unto you. He did not say we don't need anything else but God. He said he will meet our needs when we obey and seek God's kingdom first and his righteousness. He will provide the things that we need. He will provide food. He will provide our finance. He will provide the means to do things. He will provide the opportunity. A lot of times, opportunities are hard, I know, but when you obey and depend on him, he will give us the means to do the gospel, witnessing effectively. Amen. Second thing, second attitude that we need to have is a presence. Everyone say presence. What does it mean? Being with people. Go to, go to the place where people are. Look at verse 9 and 4. Verse 4, I mean. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. Meaning the principle here is that to live with people, to go to people. In missiological term, it's being incarnational. You know, a lot of times we need to be incarnational rather than attractional, meaning a lot of times we think the church is what we have a church here, we do the, some kind of marketing, we, we send them out the flyers, and we wait for people to come to church. But, well, that's we call it attractional model, attractional way of doing it. And I think until now, maybe the, the, we have been taking that kind of, way of doing ministry or gospel ministry. That's why we try to make the church entertaining as possible, attraction, attractional, attractive as possible. But I don't think that's what Jesus did. Jesus is telling us to do. He says, go to where people are, be with them. Meaning be incarnational. Just like Jesus has sent to be here with us, we are being sent by God to be and amongst the people there. My brothers and sisters, where are we now? Where are you now? What is your neighborhood? What about your workplace? What about your school? A lot of times we think it's just a randomly or because of our decision, we happen to be there. But did you ever thought that maybe there's a plan for you to be there, plan of God for you to be there, particular place? You know, a lot of people, young people, they come to me and they complain about Their jobs. I understand the jobs are not great for many of us. Maybe you have a really obnoxious boss. Maybe you have a very poor, uh, you know, uh, social environment within your workplace. But whatever the case is, I believe we need to change our perspective. Maybe the Lord is sending you to that particular place for a reason. You might not like it right now, but until He sends you somewhere else, until He moves you somewhere else to get a better job, don't you think, while you're there, we need to learn and see why we are there. And God is sending you to be with people, particular people, then we need to be there. That's how we do it. That's, That's why... I think that's what this summer... As we start this summer, we wanted to do this. We want us to go and be with people, starting with our friends, coworkers, family members, especially those who do not know Jesus Christ, and invite them, be with them, and we will create some environment where we can be together and to be with people as well. And as through that, we can, through our presence we can surely uh, reach out to people effectively, as Jesus wants us to do. Last but not least, the attitude we must have as we do gospel witnessing is perseverance. So we've been talking about dependence, presence, and perseverance, meaning we need to look for the open hearts perseveringly. If people do not welcome you, verse 5, shake the dust off your feet and when you leave the town, as a testimony against them. It sounds kind of harsh, but I don't think it really means that we don't care about those people who rejects. I think what he's talking about is you need to persevere for looking for open hearts. Look for the people who will be open to you, open to listen to you. But in order for us to do that, what you need to do, we need to persevere. A lot of times when we're talking about gospel witnessing, we try one time and if it doesn't work and people get discouraged, then what do we do? We just quit. Don't quit on people as Christ will never quit on them. We need to learn to persevere. We don't have to convert them. We don't have to change them overnight. All we have to do is a be a witnesses of God, sharing our testimony. What is a testimony? We talked about that last week, remember? Testimony is about story of you and Jesus, how Jesus touched your life, how, Jesus, you, how you met Jesus. That's your testimony. And see what happens. But don't give up on them. How do we not give up on them and persevere, perse- with a perseverance seek them? Well, pray for them. Man, I know some people praying for some people for a long time. We're the products of someone's prayer, I believe. As they pray persistently and perseveringly, that there will be an opportunity, I believe, that God will open up. Right? So, if you have a children who do not know Jesus, don't give up on them. Would you give up on them as a parents? Of course not. We'll pray for them. We'll, we'll wait for them. We'll continue to persevere to do gospel witnessing to them. What about to our dear friends? Our friends, I have a lot of secular friends, especially in my previous years uh, when I was younger in school. Some of them, they do not know Jesus till this day. But I still pray for them. I still try to talk to them, at least every time, every chance that I get. But it's tough and discouraging. It takes long years. But one day, who knows, by God's grace and mercy, they will know who Jesus is and come to the knowledge, saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we cannot give up. That's exactly what he's saying. People don't welcome you. It's okay. Continue to look for open hearts. And if you see someone, share them. Amen? Amen. That's That kind of attitude we must have as we do gospel witnessing. Dependence, presence, and perseverance. My brothers and sisters, we just saw and we learned or studied the evangelism of Jesus. This is what Jesus wants us to do. We gather to receive his power and get trained by him. That's what the church is about. And, of course, church is not about only that, but part of the church ministry is to train and produce the workers of the kingdom of God so they can be sent out. We gather not just to worship God, but also we gather to have fellowship so that we can grow to be a mature Christian into the image of Christ. That's the first reason that we are here. We gather and church definition of the church is what? Gathering of the people of God. But also at the same time, Jesus wants, wants to send us out. Meaning as a church we gather, but as a church we scatter to the places into our lives, scatter to our lives, meeting people, bringing people to Christ, or at least share the message of the kingdom of God through the gospel. And through that, I think we will learn step by step. And I'm not expecting all of us to somehow do so powerful gospel witnessing right away, starting tomorrow. Of course not. But we need to wake up and we need to clearly understand our very purpose of being here as a church is to worship, is to pre- to proclaim the kingdom of God in and through our lives in word and deed. That's who we are. And it is my prayer, as we have learned Jesus' evangelism in a way, we will learn to apply these into our lives and see what God can do in and through our lives. Amen? Amen. May the Lord our God richly bless you and empower you that this week, starting this week, we will, we will effectively by God's grace and His empowerment to do gospel witnessing for His glory. Amen. Let's pray.